another instalment of our Nucleus Wealth Insight series. Just a quick reminder that the following presentation is general information only and does not take into account your personal circumstances. Whilst Nucleus Wealth aims to present informing and sometimes entertaining content, please consult your investment professional, financial advisor, or better yet, speak to us before making any decisions based on any of the themes discussed in today's presentation. And don't forget that this is a live presentation. So feel free to drop any questions you like in the chat box below and we can answer them along the way. If you're watching this after the event, make sure you attend the next one so you too can participate in the live Q&A section of our presentation. Our presenters today include myself, Tim Fuller, a certified financial advisor who's worked with hundreds of clients over the years, helping to make the complex simple for companies such as AMP, Mercer and independent advisories. We also have David Llewellyn Smith, co-author of The Great Crash of 2008 with Ross Garneau, founder of the internationally acclaimed Diplomat magazine and now chief editor of the enormously popular Macro Business Financial blog. Finally, we have Nucleus Wealth's Head of Investments, Damien Klassen, whose 25 years in the world of finance has seen him as the founding partner and head of research at analyst firm Aegis Equities, head of quantitative strategy at Wilson HTM, and was responsible for mining energy and big data in the $60 billion global quantitative equity fund at Schroders, who are a multinational asset management company. And for more information, please check out the our people section at www.nucleuswealth.com. Hello and welcome to uh, our next instalment of Nucleus Insights. Uh, and today we're looking at the Australian dollar and the potential of a reflation. So uh, let's jump into it. Anyway, we've got a, uh, our agenda for today. We're looking at, uh, well, first, actually, we're going to start with a quick recap on our, uh, on our Aussie dollar theme from a prior uh, webinar. So we'll just sort of cover off on, on where we finished up last time and how that reflects back through into uh, in today's presentation. And uh, then we'll jump into the agenda. So uh, today we've got, uh, the, we're looking at the five essential drivers of our valuation model, uh, Chinese growth and Australia's terms of trade, uh, the interest rate, rate differentials, investor <coughs> sentiment and technicals, the relative strength of the US dollar, uh, then looking to the future with emerging markets and, and the, oh, sorry, the emerging markets crisis. And then finally, of course, uh, reflecting back on how we uh, use these themes every day in the investments at Nucleus Wealth. So with no further ado, I will hand over to our chief strategist, David Llewellyn-Smith, to run us through uh, a quick reflection on where we finished up last time we, we looked at the dollar. Welcome, Dave. Thanks, Tim. It's good to be here. Good to be back live. So, uh, yeah, revisiting May when we last looked at the Aussie, uh, I'm just just rereading what we said, and we said world the world was reflating on a falling US dollar, a monetary tailwind for emerging markets and commodities. Mid-year, this will run into a fundamental headwind as China slows. If terms of trade, if terms of trade and the negative interest rate spreads fall, then the AU dollar, AUD will crater. So that's pretty good. <clears throat> well done. That's more or less what happened. So that gives us uh, a sort of starting point on why the Aussie was falling, which was uh, the two main drivers, which are 
our uh, terms of trade was uh, well actually the terms of trade held up but China's growth was was coming off and markets were getting quite worried overlaid by the trade war of course and the interest rate spreads to the United States and mm. the US dollar were getting more and more negative so basically the things that we forecast happened so that was good um, and so those make up uh, two, two sort of the two main components of our five driver model for AUD um, fair valuation which is where we'll go next and we'll have a we'll revisit what we did in May which is um, look at those five drivers and see what that says about the outlook okay. uh, and I guess the important thing to note is that, that things have changed and, and so um, yeah don't just uh, listen to the old one and, and switch off because, no, because we, do have a, we do have a number of sort of changes to our views Okay. Yeah, yep. fantastic. And obviously, there has been a you know, given the fall, uh, we need to now look at the reasons behind it as uh, as we're going to go through today, and um, I guess where it's headed. So let's yes. jump into it. So we've got here the um, Australian dollar five driver. So we're kicking off with Australian global growth, and we've got a, a lovely graph chart there, rather of a uh, of the China broad credit. Uh, yeah, this is my favourite chart, which uh, you know anyone who's seen me speak will have seen this a hundred times, but it's it's probably the most important chart for. Uh, the Australian dollar that there is, and that is it's Chinese broad credit. So this is the leading indicator, the best leading indicator we have for Chinese growth uh, that, that uh, you know, includes, um, you know, the commodity um, concentrated areas of growth, and therefore it's also a very good leading indicator for commodity prices and Australia's terms of trade, income flows into the economy, etc. So... Uh, as you can see, again, uh, we've, we've sort of had these three mountains, one at 2009, one in 2013, and then one in 2016, where China um, stimulated its, its slowing economy. And the most recent mountain, uh, you know, eventually, <clears throat> roughly 18 months ago, they started to, to press the brake, and, uh, you know, the credit uh, growth started to fall at a pretty good clip. Um, uh, and... You know, as forecast, it you know Chinese growth started to slow around mid-year and is still slowing today. Mm. Um, there has been a slight turn, a one-month turn in this chart, where there's been a little bit of growth in credit, but uh, I still think that um, things are slowing rather than speeding up. Uh, that said, um, yesterday we had two important developments uh, from China. One was uh, Premier League Queen. Um, uh, declared that um, you know China would see off the Trump trade war uh, by largely by infrastructure spending uh, and the NDRC the National Development and Reform Commission which is the like super powerful kind of um, stimulatory um, central planner if you like in China um, complemented that speech by you know uh, announcing that it was going to accelerate infrastructure pro, uh, projects that were already on the table as well as uh, launching a whole bunch of new ones. So uh, that is a classic signal that China is hitting the gas. Mm. When the NDRC comes out and says that, then you know that they're about to build. Uh, so, you know, the infrastructure boom that we had from 2016 through 2016 and 2017, which is what uh, you know, lifted the Australian dollar from its last big swoon... Um, was was quite big, um, and infrastructure uh, con construction took up a lot higher 
percentage of the overall commodity demand in China than, than in previous cycles. I don't necessarily uh, think that we're going to see that level of stimulus this time around. Like, they are still trying to deleverage as well. Mm. And so, you know, like, for instance, local government spending is, has been waning quite a lot and they're still trying to, trying to tighten up on that. That said, you know, we've already seen um, quite a lot of money market loosening from the People's, People's Bank of China, the PBOC, and that, that, that sort of started happening three or four months ago, and that immediately landed on the real estate market uh, in looser monetary conditions. And so we're suddenly facing the prospect of, of a 2019 where we will have both runaway Chinese uh, real real estate prices driving ongoing construction and uh, renewed uh, infrastructure spending. Now, the headwind, of course, is, you know, the fact that credit has been slowing. The credit impulse has been negative now for quite some time. Uh, so they've got to address that. But also the trade war is probably going to knock somewhere between half and 1% off GDP as well. Right. So to some extent, this is a stabilising measure rather than a, an outright growth measure. Uh, uh, and that's important, you know, to consider in terms of, you know, how influential this could be, in, you know, going forward for, for commodity prices, Australian growth and, and the Aussie dollar. And it's probably also worth noting as well that um, you know that the we can see those sort of three um, the three mounds there and and in a way while the percentage changes is is going is getting smaller each time the the absolute growth is 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 quite large in yeah. in, in debt because um, the the debt pile is bigger that's so, right and the, and the economy is bigger yeah. each time so so the actual dollars coming on yeah. is is still quite large and you're growing from a higher base each time yeah. Mm -hmm. But the effect it's had on the Australian dollar and Australian and commodity prices, iron ore in particular, has been less each time. So, yes. the, so the initial one was, you know, admittedly re rescuing iron ore from the depths of the the financial crisis was sort of like a, I don't know, three hundred, four hundred times increase in the price. And, uh, know, yeah, I don't know. I can't remember what the GFC low was on iron ore. Was it? Yeah. 50-ish, 60. Yeah. Anyway, I can't remember. so so, but but it was significantly each time. I guess the the effect on the on the iron ore price has been has been less and less. Yeah. And so while um, well, the first that first boom was we got to sort of two hundred bucks in yeah. iron ore. The second one we almost got to a hundred. Yeah. Uh, oh, sorry. The second one we got. Um, uh, we were still short of iron ore at that point. We were still hovering up around one ninety, and then the third one we only got as high as a hundred. Yeah, um, coming out of coming off forty. Hmm. Um, so I mean, my my outlook for next year, based on on these on renewed renewed stimulus and these various inputs, is you know sixty bucks, sixty five bucks, and we're already hmm. we're already there, hmm. we're already up past it. Like markets have been pricing this for months. Yeah. Um, so, so you're absolutely right. It's a it's a law of diminishing returns for for the bulk commodities on this. Yeah, and, and for the Chinese economy as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Okay. No problems. Um, so we'll just uh, we'll jump into the next one, which we've got is uh, I've got a chart here of uh, the terms of trade. Uh, yeah. So, um, I mean, this is um, you know a way of capturing what it means for for Australia. You know those those Chinese stimulus pulses. 
Um, this is is um, uh, in terms of trade. I think it's import divided by export prices. I think or <coughs> something like that. I can't remember the precise formula, but. Um, uh, as you can see, we had a huge correction um, during 2015, 2014-15. That's when China really kind of tried to to rebalance and let its real estate market go, mm -hmm. and it, and it, it deflated for some time. Um, and then out of that, um, you know, we've had the last two year big lift in commodity prices, nowhere near as high as they were during the peak of the boom, but still very high historically, uh, and. You know, we've had a few bounces around that peak since. And next year, I think that we're going to stay largely up in this current range. Okay. Down a little. Yep. Um, but you, as you can see, we still anticipate that beyond that, uh, inevitably, this this will revert to mean. Yeah. And, um, and actually, just to put this in context for anyone listening in on the podcast, so so what, what we're showing is sort of a, a very, very long-term um, graph of the terms of trade where it sort of hangs around at a sort of about a 70-ish level for, um, you know, uh, where are we, 50, 60 years. Mm. And then we've had this sudden spike. Well, we had a, a spike during the, the early 2000s as, as um, you know, the boom happening in both China and in, and in the US housing boom. Uh, then a sharp fall as, as the financial crisis hit, followed by an even larger rise as this renewed Chinese uh, infrastructure came on. And then as that came off, it sort of fallen away and... and, and but then bounce back with the, the latest sort of 2014-2015 set of stimulus. Okay. So but, so, but but sorry, but but also still well above its long-term average. Yeah. So uh, so, so from I mean the immediate outlook is for the terms terms of trade to remain solid. Is is the takeaway for the current sort of Australian dollar outlook. Okay. Um, and and I've just moved on to the next chart, which is. Um, I've thrown this one uh, this one in because you know in case people are sort of wondering how long China can continue to build like this, uh, and why we can we see iron ore and and, and coking coal still declining, mm -hmm. uh, because you just never know how long the the Communist Party can keep this up. Uh, you know, because uh, I mean, as we've discussed before, <laughs> they're actually reaching the point now where they're just knocking stuff down that they only just built. <laughs> <laughs> and then rebuilding it, so they could go on, you know, more or less forever. But but that commodity prices will fall anyway, and this chart tells you why. This is this is the rise of scrap mm. metal in China. So um, the the red line is the percentage use of of scrap into the um, Chinese output, and it's just rising inexorably. Uh, and so even if China builds like this forever, as as the scrap component. Uh, which will be driven a lot by environmental regulation mm -hmm. in China, like the sm battle against smog, uh, as well as it's just a natural kind of progression because it's it's cheaper to, to make steel that way for the most part. And, and where you came from in China was, um, you know, if you're knocking down a, a hut on a, mm. a on a farm somewhere and then you're putting up a, 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 a high-rise in the city, you need a lot of steel. And you, you don't get any steel from the hut and you, you need a lot of steel. But as you're getting to the stage now where you're starting to knock down high-rises that were built 10, 15 years ago and stick up new, high, new bigger, sort of better-built high-rises... Usually you need less steel because they're more efficient, mm. um, but also you've, you've actually got you know, so you've got steel from the one you knocked down and, and, and um, yeah, you get to use that in the, the version you're sticking up. And then same with cars. You know, the car ownership in, in, in um, China has taken off um, 
and you are getting at the stage now where you're starting to get um, cars getting scrapped, whereas you didn't have... I mean, sorry, the, the number of cars getting scrapped now is, is increasing at the same rate as what we saw the, the Chinese car ownership rate increase. And could, could there be an element of the fact that the recycling techniques are just getting more efficient as well, so the, the return back on, on what they can, you know... Like, for example, with cars... Um, yeah. You know, yeah. being able to pull them apart and, and a little a little bit most of it's from the just from the the increase in the the, the available scrap so yeah. so the rates of um chinese uh recycling rates are still well below um you know that you could probably you could at least double and and probably more the um the the recycling rate right to okay. put them back on still coming and yeah. they've got those mountains of o bikes sitting out in the paddock <laughs> as well as paddocks and paddocks of bikes they're probably gonna have to dip into at some point so that's right yeah, well, that, that'll be a few apartment blocks so <laughs> so the important thing to take out of this chart basically is this is the structural decline in australia's terms of trade uh, and so um the previous chart we we talked about um you know we see being relatively stable after the stimulus announcement over the next 12 months say over 2019 but the longer term outlook remains completely unchanged this is a secular decline mm -hmm. in commodity price in bulk commodity prices and therefore the australian terms of trade and um, so uh, moving on with our our five drivers where, where have i gone i've skipped over one so so that that uh brings us to the second um major five driver and, and <clears throat> for our valuation model and this one is unequivocally bearish at the moment still uh, and it's as you can see in the chart the orange line is uh, the is the interest rate spread between Australia and the US that is you know just relative interest rates how they how they compare on, on this one I've got the 10-year bond uh, and it it is now it got us got into the minus 40 basis point range has come back a little bit today after the Chinese stimulus announcements uh, but we're talking about the lowest 10-year the most negative 10-year spread uh, since about 1984 something like that well wow. uh, so what this means is it's just incredibly cheap to sell Australian dollars mm. um, uh, and very expensive to own them um, because you can you can borrow an Australian dollars and go and stick it in a US bank account and, and make money. So it's a reverse of the classic carry trade. Um, and, the and and what what David's talking about there is for you know twenty thirty years it's been you 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 borrow in Japanese yen or or US dollars and and then just invest the money in Australia with the idea yep. that you just pick up a you pick up an interest rate differential on the yep. on between. And now it's it now it's gone in reverse. So obviously that is is a negative a very strong headwind for the Aussie dollar um, and in in recent times it, it's gotten more and more strong you, if you look at the blue line there you can see in trend terms the 10-year spread and the Aussie dollar are very very closely correlated mm. not in the amount but in the trend absolutely so um, so that gives us um, in our two drivers we have an improving support coming out of the terms of trade with uh, China stabilising growth for next year. We don't see it running off because of the, the trade war headwind and then the offset with the stimulus. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you, all things being equal, we'll just say that roughly cancel one another out. It could be a bit more at a certain point or a bit less. Um, but over the year, we'll say that. And so we have a bit of a support in that one. Um, more, more having said so that, though, that's, that's, that's a lot stronger than what we were expecting that's right. and that's, six so months that, ago. That's an upgrade from when we were talking about it in May. Mm -hmm. And then the second one remains very negative. However, of course, because of the first one, 
uh, and we've already seen this today in some bond yields, the, you know, the Australian interest rates will rise because of the better terms of trade mm. as well. Like the bond yields will, the cash rate won't. I was going to say, yeah, you might need to. Um, no, no, no. <laughs> like, there's no moving in the cash rate. That uh, People are kidding themselves on that. Um, you know, with house prices tumbling and we've got the credit crunch and what have you, it's that's not coming. Um, but, uh, you know, we've got these two these two very strong forces, one one to lift and one to, to, to lower the Aussie. So moving on to uh, driver number three, which is uh, sentiment. And just the easiest way of capturing this is the sort of relative um, position of the market as recorded by the CFTC. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, at the moment, it's, you know, moderately bearish, moderately to, you know, a bit more than moderately um, short, the Aussie dollar, uh, which, you know, in the short term, um, you would say is probably bullish for the Aussie. Um, the last time we were talking in May, it was neutral. And so, you know, there was no position in the market to unwind either way. It was poised to, to move, you know, with fundamentals. Whereas at the moment, the market's quite short, the Aussie, and we can see, you know, we can see it's gotten quite oversold in the last kind of three months as it plunged towards, you know, 71 and just below. So, uh, you know, that suggests that if there is an, an improved outlook for the Aussie, it's not priced, mm. you know, okay, because the market's short. So um, that and, and some of the recent rise we've seen is people buying back their short positions, absolutely, so on, the, on the back of these Chinese announcements. Yeah, I mean yeah. the Aussie in the last two days has been almost the strongest. It has been the strongest developed market um, currency, not not as strong as some emerging markets, but strongest developed market currency. And this is why the market was quite short, and you know, it, and then China sort of said, okay, we're going to going to hit the gas a bit, and so bang, you know. They unwind the shorts, mm-hmm. um, and so that's what's driving the recent lift, and that that suggests it could it could run higher, mm-hmm. you know, for a little while. So that's that's driver three, uh, and sorry, moving on. I'm fumbling around I've here. Got here on uh, technicals. Um, technicals, yeah. I mean, this one this one is voodoo, of course, but uh, traders do use it, and so it's. Um, it has its own kind of circular usefulness. Um, and if you look at the Aussie dollar uh, versus the US at the moment, uh, it's still a very bearish pattern, mm-hmm. um, chart pattern. Uh, we've had this big fall from from the height of the commodity boom and then quite an extended rally, you know, as China stimulated through 2016-17. Uh, and that's formed what, what is called a bear flag, which is now violated to the downside I'm using the monthly chart here, um, and uh, you know that suggests that there could very easily be further downside. In fact, you know, the chart probably suggests going back to the lows uh, from from 2015. Wow. Um, so the the chart's still bearish, basically. Like we could we could rally, uh, you know, two or three more cents in the Aussie without really undoing the chart damage mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, as it were uh, so so that that's an, an, a negative if you like for the Aussie and our, our fifth driver is the US dollar uh, and the relative value of the US dollar uh, and and so you know that that is a subject all of its own of course a massive subject all of its own and I've just given you the chart here, which suggests, you know, that it's still in, in a rough uptrend. 
the US dollar. Um, whether you know it, it stays in it, you know, this is the the trillion dollar question for the global economy at the moment. Um, there are reasons to think that it will, and there are reasons to think that that, that it won't. Um, fundamentally, what's been driving it up is simply you know what we forecast earlier in the year, which is uh, you know US decoupling from global growth. You know the Trump boom, which uh, has now got wages growing reasonably well, um, tight labour market, of course, um, and the US growing at sort of three and a half or four percent, mm-hmm. um, driven by big fiscal deficits um, in the form of tax cuts, uh, good consumer spending, reasonable investment. Um, uh, you know, all all of these things delivering solid growth and much better growth, more to the point, than anywhere else. Mm. Uh, and uh, as well, earnings per share, massive earnings per share growth, so booming stock market, etc. Um, so um, that seems to have its own internal momentum for us at the moment. We still think, you know, because it, it, it you know, the even though the tax cuts are a very temporary kind of way to trigger growth, because of the timing of them at late in the cycle uh, when um, the labour market was already starting to tighten, it, it has triggered um, some wage growth and then you, then you almost get into a virtuous cycle where you know, wages growth delivers consumption growth which delivers top line growth for corporates uh, and that offsets you know, any, any higher wages um, and triggers investment on the supply side. Um, so, uh, which in, in turn, you know, delivers more jobs, mm. uh, and then you, you know, you you in back to wage growth. So, there are, there is this um, nice kind of cycle developing, uh, late cycle kind of momentum developing in the U.S. That said, there is this there is this fiscal cliff coming as well, where a lot of the um, fiscal deficits roll off. And so that becomes an automatic headwind from about mid next year. So, um, you know, determining the the outlook for the U.S. dollar uh, and you, well, U.S. growth first of all, and the U.S. dollar at this moment at this moment is a, a bit of a flux. Um, you know, there's a lot of bearish commentary around the trade war as well, and what that will do to U.S. growth. We don't buy into that at all. Um, we don't think that tariffs are about to to disrupt um, investment. We think inflation's low enough that it won't disrupt the consumer either. Um, and, and, and and the rising US dollars and offset a lot of the uh, a lot of the price gains anyway, price movements anyway. In, it in, has yes, yeah. and and that's the other driver. You know, like if you're going to put in tariffs, you're going to ex- got to expect you're going to have a bit stronger inflation, and uh, you know that's one of the reasons why if you're doing them. You know they may just backfire on you, and mm. that's that is an area where you could see the see you can see tariffs forcing slower growth in the U.S. is if the U.S. dollar continues to rise, which which by rights it should, mm. uh, but you know it may not. These things are all relative. Um, so I mean, on balance, we think that the U.S. dollar will remain firm. Um, the risk in it is the fiscal cliff. That comes in, you know, starts to kick in mid next year. Um, we we still think that, yeah. You know, well, there there are a couple of risks short term, of course, event risk going into the end of the year with the midterms, and um, that might weigh on the US dollar. Mm-hmm. 
as well as you know who knows what Trump will do next on the trade war although it seems we've got a bit of a hiatus now until the ratchet mechanism in the new year uh, which would would lift the current tariffs higher mm-hmm. if nothing's done which now seems inevitable um, uh, so possible short-term headwinds for the US dollar especially around the midterms uh, you know if, if the Dems win the house you know there'll be some rumblings about impeachment um, etc although we don't think that that's a realistic scenario or likely um, and then you know you get into next year and the and and the fiscal headwind that is obvious to everybody who understands these things you know Trump is going to have to do something to offset that as well so we, we actually think it's very likely that they'll look for more stimulus as well mm. along the lines of what China's doing more more infrastructure because the US really needs it a, a hell of a lot more than China does quite frankly um, so uh, but you know that's kind of looking across the valley a bit so there are there are risks to the US dollar we think in the short term but on the balance of risks we think next year it probably is still strong hmm. okay so where does that get us oops um, uh, so summarising then um, China's growth is going to be hit you know half to 1% by the tariffs uh, as we'll see you know trade diversion to other cheap emerging markets do you think do you think we'll actually see that that growth hit, or do you think it'll just be um, erased out of the out of the ledger? <laughs> oh well, it's going to be erased by stimulus anyway. So yeah, doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. Yep. Um, uh, so moving to fiscal. Well, for, it matters in terms of the sectors that it's in. Oh, but, it does. But not, yeah, but yeah, not yeah. the. But no, no, not the headline figure. The headline no. figure is yeah, yeah. that it, with a trade war on, um, is that China wants to spend some money to to make sure that their economy isn't going to be. Um, that's what the whole announcement, you know, sort of overnight, was, mm. was was about. Was saying they're going to spend the money to make sure that they're they're not too too um, yep. negatively affected by the by the trade war. Mm-hmm. Look, they were trying to deleverage when this started, and so, you know, in in the short term, um, the trade war has done Australia a favour. Mm. You know, because we were looking at less commodity intensive growth over 2019 mm. and infrastructure uh, was go- had gone negative in infrastructure had gone negative and they are still tightening on the property market mm. with macro potential so there's a possibility that would slow too but the trade war basically you know has given given authorities that's it spooked them into more stimulus so we're going to see uh you know let's assume that their deleveraging had gone fine and they'd managed to rebalance to more productive output than building over next year and they managed to sort of keep economy at six percent or more growth instead of that being productive now it'll be just be more unproductive stuff <laughs> um, and they'll keep that they'll keep the level up and it'll be more kind of commodity intensive than it would have been yeah. mm. and part of the way that china accounts for these is that they'll knock the buildings down and that's sort of without write-offs within their their GDP and they'll put up a new building and that will add to GDP. So yep. so the net effect might be, you know, I had 100 apartments, now I've got 150 apartments, um, but the uh, that it doesn't come in as a net 50, it comes in no. as, a, as, a, as 150 Oops. into the into the um, It's plus accounts. plus because you've got to pay someone to knock it down and then pay them to build it again. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Um, so um, this next, qu- the, the next point here is uh, will the yuan keep falling? This is very, very important too. Um, this is a difficult one. 
for the simple reason that, I mean, when Lee came out yesterday and said, no, the yuan won't fall, we won't, uh, in inver inverted commas, weaponise it. You know, he said that in the first sentence and then his second sentence was, we're going to stimulate, right? Mm. So those two are completely contradictory, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, so you know, he's basically saying we won't officially deflate the yuan, but we are going to deflate the shit out of it by... Um, We'll allow investors to, to reflate it for Well, us. yeah, that's right, because we're going to ease hmm. monetarily and fiscally. So, you know, most people still think that there'll be more um, more monetary easing. I don't know. I'm a little bit torn on that at this point because I'm just watching the real estate market already go nuts and I'm wondering how much more stimulus they really think they need. But if there is, the yuan will fall. Uh, so, you know, I, I can't find at this point point a very bearish or a very bullish case mm. for for the renminbi um, um the jury's out at this point so that gives us to our next point which is the 2016 parallel uh and by that i mean you know we saw we saw the similar episode coming through 2015 with the u.s tightening um china slowing and deleveraging commodity prices getting routed uh, and then China hitting the gas in early 2016 and the Aussie dollar jumping from 68 to 81 over the next kind of 18 months. Um, uh, the dynamics are the same this time, but they're different as well. You know, commodity prices never crashed. There were, most of this boom's already priced. Um, you've got the US boom going. The Fed was not gonna stop its, easy, its tightening uh, in the immediate term. Uh, and, you know, I think the Chinese stimulus will be smaller as well. It'll just be enough just to to uh, not look like they're, they're losing the trade war because mm -hmm. uh, they're aware of their structural problem with too much debt. Um, so I don't think it's a 2016 parallel. It's, it's kind of an analog analogously similar, but in terms of the Aussie dollar, I don't think we're going to see that kind of rise. Um, uh, unless, you know, probably um, if the only, the only scenario in which I could see the Aussie really getting going is, is if China r keeps its foot to the floor and, you know, the US for one reason or another, probably politics, uh, falls off its fiscal cliff. Mm. Um, then, then, you know, you would have a strong China and a rapidly slowing US. In that event, you know, the Fed pauses, maybe even cuts, uh, and the, the um, interest rate spreads to Australia start to contract, you know, and so then you'd have the terms of trade and the, and the interest rate spreads lifting the Aussie. Mm. But that's not my base case at this point. Um, so... Yeah, so so to summarise everything in the five drivers, we see short-term Aussie strength on the back of, you know, being oversold, on the back of Chinese stimulus, yep, um, on the back of some of those spreads coming in a bit. Um, <clears throat> uh, but in net terms, we think 2019, it will remain weak. Okay. So it's kind of short-term stronger. Yep. 2019 remain weak. Not as weak as we thought it would be, but still weak. Okay. Very good. 
We've got a quick question that's come in as well. Um, do you think there's an opportunity to short the AUD given that most inst institutions are forecasting a rate hike in Q2, Q3 of 2019? That's, that's out in the boonies, but... Uh, well, I do think um, uh, that they're all wrong. So if the market's priced off that, then yes, there is. Um, but I'd be cautious, as I say, I think that there's, there are some short-term tailwinds now for the Aussie. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think they're absolutely off their rockers if they think there's going to be a rate hike next year. I mean, you, you're talking, talking about a rate hike going into a federal election, if nothing else. Mm. The federal election is going to stall everything. It does, every time. Um, but in contemporary terms, especially so because they're so um, conflicted, you know, and the policy positions are so... Are so so problematic and this time you're going to have Labor winning in a landslide I think that's pretty clear mm -hmm. uh, and you'll have negative gearing reform and housing markets taking another leg down so um, like you'll have a very a swift slowing of the economy into the election you'll have a housing market shock coming out of the election uh, yeah I mean uh, even though China's stimulating uh, at the moment, and we'll be, you know, to, in terms of trade, will be a bit stronger next year than than we first thought. That I'd still say it's odds on for a rate cut. Yep. Um, because, um, you know, the mechanism by which that that commodity income used to flood into the economy is broken. Mm. Uh, it used to come in through three three paths. One one was the budget, uh, and uh, you know, big tax cuts. Um, and the budget is going to boom. Mm -hmm. There's no doubt about that. And we will get some tax cuts, I think, next year, but not until late in the year once Labor's in and got its feet under the table. Yep. Um, <clears throat> secondly, it's through the stock market uh, and just the, the miners rising. But because the AUD has become so sensitive to, to all of these inputs, that gets short-circuited now and, and the, um, the rest of the, the borsch just gets smashed when the Australian dollar rises. So I don't expect the Australian the, the um, uh, uh, share market to go anywhere mm, on right. the back of this. Yep. So uh, lots of movements in stocks, but just not, not, um, not, yeah, in, not in the, the not, aggregate. Yeah, no, yeah not in the aggregate. Mm. Um, and the third one, of course, and this was always the big one, was when prices rose materially, the, there would be a follow-through of investment. Um, you know, into more mines. Yep. Now we've we've seen a little bit of that right now. We're seeing a bit of that from the the major miners in the Pilbara, um, but not because they're short of iron ore, just because the the um, uh, um, anti-smog measures in China have driven a big divergence in price between different qualities of iron ore, mm -hmm. and so they're all digging up better iron ore. Yeah, right. okay. And so that's triggered a, a reasonable little wave uh, with some new mines. But there'll be no more, none. They have, mm. They're massively overbuilt still. Uh, and so um, there'll, be, there'll be zero extra investment. Mm. Okay. Um, uh, and so, you know, even though the miners get flush and the budget gets flush, households don't. And when you've got falling um, uh, house prices... Um, you, we will eventually get some, some tax relief, which will help with the margin. But um, 
you know, wage growth going nowhere. And it, and if anything, I think wage growth is probably peaking now and will start to soften again. Wow. Because I think labour markets will weaken next year. Yeah, right. Even under a labour government. Uh, yes. Yeah? Okay. Well, anything they do to, to readjust the balance on industrial relations will take years anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they're very pro-immigration, mm. you know. So okay, that supply-side shock will, won't stop. Um, so I don't think I see a great outlook for wages, a very poor outlook for Australian inflation. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, whether the RBA actually is forced to cut, who knows? Yep. But, but sure as hell will not be hiking yeah. next year and mo- most definitely not in May. <laughs> okay, thanks for that. And um, we've got just uh, one more. It's a little bit of a follow-on, I guess, to the, um, the shorting AUD question, which was if you were to short... Um, on the basis, obviously, that you're you know, expecting the AED to continue to fall at some point. Um, do you think there's a better pair than the uh, USD? Uh, the yen, the Aussie yen's been, been going um, quite well from memory. Um, look, I'll be, I'll be honest, I'm not looking at, at those crosses on a super regular basis. Um, I would have thought, uh, you know, if you're going to use, if you're going to sort of use interest rate differentials as the prime driver, then you're probably still sticking with the US. Um, I think, and I think it's safe to say we're we're still quite um, our longer term views haven't really changed. It's a question about saying, you know, if these things, if we're talking about long term trend down over over you know ten years of of the Australian dollar from its sort of highs in in you know, dollar, dollar ten, or whatever, and and we've sort of hit the de- the down, the bottom of the the, the the downtrend at the moment, and we can see some short-term issues as to why it might rise. Mm-hmm. And then the question, you know, do you, over the longer term, do you still want to be on this same? Absolutely. So we're certainly not making wholesale changes. Not talking about making wholesale changes to our investment ideas, but but as a short-term sort of tactical moves, and whether you're um, you know, when you've just had a, a decent downdraft in the Aussie dollar, do you now load up and, and go again with it, or mm-hmm. do you sort of do you wind back a few of your positions and 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 keep your same sort of net negative outlook, but um, you're not as negative as you were when you know when the when the currency was sort of seventy six, yep. and then you're uh, and in waiting for the next sort of up uplift and a few of these things to to come to come good before you then load into that trade again. Okay. Yep. Sure thing. And just um, and another little uh, another question. Sorry, has popped in. Uh, which is that? Uh, do you do you see seventy cents? Um, so I'm taking this as AUD USD. Um, seventy cents at the end of the year as possible, um, and then mid sixties, uh, and then end of the end of next. Sorry. Um, so uh, yeah, what are your sort of if you're gonna if you're gonna <laughs> yeah, yeah. pluck some well, pluck some figures se- and times out of the air? I've got seventy two on it now. Originally, I had seventy. And then I lifted it a few months ago when we saw this Chinese stimulus coming. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd stick with that. Yep. Um, uh, possible. I think probably the risks to that might even be a little bit to the upside at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, that said two weeks ago, they were massively to the downside. So things can change very quickly. Mm. Um, next year. Yeah, I, th- I think, um, look... Not as negative as I was, because China is going to be stronger okay. and the mix of growth more favourable to Australia. I was originally pegging it at 65 by the end of next year. Right. 
uh, I think probably high 60s is more realistic now. Okay, and just as a follow-on, uh, what would what would you do? Uh, what would happen when the USA potentially falters 2019 as uh, it read the AUD? So. Uh, well, I mean, if we see the the US faltering, then obviously we'll be re- revisiting our allocations. Um, but at this point, um, we don't think that that's the base case. Like, um, although it's obviously, you know, to some extent, uh, an extrapolation for us to say that um, we think Ch- Trump will turn to back to infrastructure stimulus. Um, you know, it remains to be seen. Well, yes, it remains to be seen, but it, it's a very logical position. Mm. You know, like there's a presidential election in the US in 2020. Um, Donald Trump is Mr. Boom. He's Mr. America first. He simply cannot allow the economy to slow. Mm. Uh, if he can, if there's one thing he cannot allow, it is that. Especially in the middle of a trade war with China, mm. I mean, it would be catastrophic for his basic, you know, regime. Mm. Uh, so, and, and and as well, um, you know, to to his credit, I suppose, is he'd say is that he's he ran on a number of things that he said he was going to do, and he's doing them. Mm. Like w- whether they're they're good or bad, you know, he said he was going to cut taxes. He said he was going to try and cr- clamp down on, down on immigrants. He's he's on both those. He said he was going to get stuck into China for about the the trade unfair trade practices, and he's doing that. And so the, the last thing he's got on his list is is infrastructure mm. and, and and building a wall. But you know, if you treat building a wall as part of the infrastructure, <laughs> or as or as just being particularly, um, you know, it's if it's a metaphorical war, wall about what you're doing to to immigrants and things like that, but. You know, he he's, he has been doing what he said he's going to be doing, and so the, it does make a lot of sense for that to be the, the the final piece. And it also makes sense to if you're going to be pushing stuff, to be pushing the trade things and and tax cuts and everything like that early while you have both the House and the Senate. And then if you lose one or, or both, then um, the Democrats are still going to be likely to um, to to want to do things on um, on infrastructure. So you know, that's you right. Probably get some votes still. Exactly, and. Um you know, I, I guess the key is they can. Everybody can see it coming. You know, like the the fiscal cliff and what what has been a tailwind turning into a headwind. Like it's not going to it's not going to shock anybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so I mean, it will need to be addressed, uh, and I think they'll address it. Uh, now, the fact that um, the, def- the the that the inertia is for a slowing US in the second half of next year to some extent um, uh, means that there may be some volatility around the question mm-hmm. you know, because some people will obviously be able to take the opposite view mm. and that's a market yep, yep. Um, so you know potentially that's another um, headwind for a rising US dollar over the short term as well into the event risk mm-hmm. the, of the midterms um, but you know we we that's that that's our solidly reasoned based case is that the US will turn to more spending to keep the economy ticking over. Now the the interesting question if they do that is what happens next. Uh, and given the tightness of the labour market, um, the fact that they have tariffs, um, a little bit of repatriation of production, some more inflation. Mm. Got a nice little virtuous cycle going with wages. Rate hikes, rate hikes. 
Mm. Yeah. So if they do it, 2020 bust becomes a real possibility <laughs> as it drives the Fed up. Yep. You know, and, and instead of us getting two or three more hikes, we get five or six. Mm-hmm. And at some point, uh, you know, that just blows up the stock market and, you know, bang, end, and, end of cycle shock. But for us, um, US dollar to the moon. Uh, in the interim. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Very good. All right. We'll jump into uh, the investment impacts as well so uh, we've got uh, a little uh, we've got the selection there from our thoughts from may 2018 and we've brought in now of course september's thoughts uh, do you want to kick us off damien yeah so so quite different i think in terms of the uh, is, is, is the summary it's most of these around the short-term issues though again so as opposed to the longer term issues so so in may 2018 we had um yeah, world reflating on a falling US dollar and monetary tailwind for emerging markets and commodities, and that's basically turned turned completely on its head. Uh, so the rising US dollar has been the, is now a monetary headwind for EMs and commodities. Uh, by the middle of the year, we were expecting um, to run into sort of a fund, the fundamental headwinds, and, and they sort of came through. But now we're 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 still expecting some weakness in, in the short term, but. Um, all indications are at the moment that China is going to unleash some debt. Mm-hmm. That'll take a little while to to actually uh, to, to get some traction. Okay. Um, and also, they're uh, they are going into some winter shutdowns as well. So um, that's that's coming up pretty soon. Mm-hmm. But having said that, uh, we are expecting that you know China to, um, to to slow a little bit and then to uh, to unleash. And and as David was saying, that that even if the growth itself doesn't change markedly. The, where where the growth's coming from will change significantly, and and back to um to the to the things that benefits Australia. So so um from a, a portfolio point of view, locally, um, I, I guess uh, we've got you know essentially the miners. Is that is that an area of, of interest given the the you know yep. perspective um, infrastructure spending? Yeah, so, so we've been picking up some miners over the, in recent weeks, sort okay. of adding adding a little bit to that. Um, so and and we're still we're looking at. Well, the prices and and it's always the the problem with it always is as David was saying that a lot of the commodities have priced a lot of this, this in already. So mm-hmm. in some of the last episodes, you know, the we saw the um, the iron ore price fall from sort of two hundred dollars back to sort of the fifty dollars, and then it shot up again, and then it came back again again to to sort of thirty dollars. Did it did it bottom thirty eight dollars mm-hmm. bottomed at um, before before rocketing again. So at the moment we're we're still in the sixties. So the upside well, seventy, but seventy now, but yeah. Is, I mean, the, the, it's fascinating what's happened to iron ore. Iron ore is now the immediate um, buy the moment there is a ruffle in Chinese politics. Mm. Like, it prices this stimulus three months in advance. Wow. Yeah. You know, so because they just know they're just going to pull the infrastructure lever yeah, yeah. every time. Yeah. yeah. Just, yep. It's it's um, as predictable as the sunrise now. <laughs> yeah. So so yeah. So the question is around those is just about the pricing. So yep. the, and so that's where we're. We're playing around a bit. Um, we think the the so the terms of trade holding up and, and spreads not getting that much worse. Um, you know, some of that downward pressure on the Aussie dollar has been relieved now, whereas we're expecting the opposite, which sort of came came to came to bear. Mm-hmm. And and part of that was then as as we sort of reached the you know close to seventy cents of, uh, Aussie versus uh, US, we sort of closed out a lot of our um, uh, positions in currencies and and just some of those cash holdings we've sort of flipped back and and close out some of our um uh we're still overweight bonds but we close out some of the we're, we're very overweight okay in in some areas and so yep. we've sort of closed some of those off 
Um, so, so I guess tact. So strategically, I suppose we're, we're still on the path of saying yes. We're still playing for these longer term tr- trends, mm-hmm. but um, at the margins, we're, um, we're we're playing around with the the uh, the, the, the weightings just to, to to acknowledge that you know the most of what we were expecting came mm-hmm. and, and the situation has changed. Yep. Um, we still think it's, it's, a, it's a momentary blip um, and, and it'll last sort of six, maybe 12 months. Um, but it is, uh, you know, there is an expectation that, that the positions we, we were holding uh, you know, two months ago are not appropriate once, once prices move and, and circumstances change. So essentially this, and I guess then looking at internationally, it gives us a chance as well, essentially a bit of a breather so we can go back through the um, you know the the dollar the dollar play as opposed to I guess the company sort of side not to say that there's there's those two combined anyway but um, yeah. to to then say trim trim back take a, take a bit of money off the table yeah yeah it'll we'll take a little bit off the table um, there's there, there, there's swings and roundabouts and and part of it comes to to the types of companies we, you want to buy as well and and, and whether because you're still you're still looking for this exposure to the US um, and we still and we don't want to get caught as well that. Um, you know, as, as David said, we're sort of looking at across the valley for a little bit, um, and, and saying things will come back to, to our, our core themes. Is you don't want to be caught sort of jumping one way to say, oh look, there's a short-term issue. Let's suddenly jump over to the one side of the boat, only to find that events move faster than 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 you expect, and all of a sudden, you know, your longer-term themes that you've sort of positioned your portfolio are all coming coming earlier than you expected. So, right. yep. so. Um, I think there's a yeah there's a key part to saying you know this is it's it's a little bit of movement but it's but you shouldn't be making some sort of wholesale changes on this unless you sort of had a view that um, you know this was a, the start of a whole brand new regime we we think it's just the the, the same regime is continuing but but it's a um, it's sort of it's hit a certain stage of that that and it's also um, the other part was that. Uh, you know you can still come up with some pretty bullish arguments for for stock markets to mm-hmm. to to go particularly strong over the next little while so you know china's got its stimulus um it ramps it up turns into an even bigger stimulus uh, maybe we then see the u.s come out earlier than we expected with some of the infrastructure spending yep and that sort of pushes the growth there and so all of a sudden you've got these big t- two booms going on um you know world growth company uh company earnings all booming away wages picking up in the u.s um, virtuous cycle yep. um that sort of flows flowing through to europe so you get some of the demand from the u.s is sort of it seeps through into Europe and lifts things there. You know, you can you can paint some pretty some pretty bullish pictures over the next twelve to eighteen months of this sort of global synchronized boom from from all this um, you know debt driven. So it's not a sustainable thing, but but debt driven um, spending from government. So you don't want to be caught um, you know too too bearish on this. Yep. But yep. Um, yeah. Okay. Very good. All right. Fantastic. Uh, well, on that note, uh, let's f- find out a little bit more about Nucleus Wealth. Nucleus Wealth and the Macro Business Fund was put together to help give you access to quality, well-researched stock analysis and superior macroeconomically-minded asset allocation. We use technology to help us provide a service typically only available to high net worth and sophisticated investors at a fee level that rivals the more basic solutions available to these everyday investors. We do this by using separately managed accounts, which allows clients to enjoy unparalleled transparency in what they own and why. It also means that each client effectively owns their own separate and discrete share portfolio, which is managed by us. We have partnered with Linear Asset Management, who are backed by the ANZ Bank for Cash Management and JP Morgan, one of the biggest banks in the world, as custodian of your assets. We feel that this structure is the gold standard for your financial protection.
In addition to this, we offer 19 separate and individual ethical screens that you can use to help tailor your investment. To ensure that your money is not being used to support companies that deal in areas and practices that you feel are important. By eliminating the areas that are only important to you, you keep the potential for higher returning areas that you might otherwise be ambivalent about. And these would typically be ruled out in broader ethical products currently available in the market. The name Nucleus comes from our ability to provide the core holdings of a client's portfolio, allowing them the time to explore areas that may be of interest or they may have experience in. We also offer a complete investment solution for those who don't have time to coordinate their own investments. Our investment team has decades of experience in world markets and we have access to a global team of stock analysts. By removing the layers of middlemen that typically sit between your money and the markets, we've been able to reduce fees and provide unparalleled transparency in the solution we provide. For more information on what we can do for you, please call 1300 623 863 or contact us through www.nucleuswealth.com. Well, I hope you enjoyed uh, today's presentation. I certainly did. And coming up next week, same bat time, same bat channel, Thursday, the 27th of September at 12.30 Australian Eastern Standard Time, we have our next instalment, uh, which we, uh, we're going to be looking at Australia's little financial crisis. Sounds intriguing, and uh, I urge you to, to check in then. Of course, as always, we're shooting these live. So if you'd like to get your questions answered, as we had a couple of great questions there today, please uh, head over to proton.nucleuswealth.com, register your interest uh, and then we'll send you the link for uh, to check it out and, and to view it live. So on that note, thanks uh, very much for your attention today. And if you are uh, listening in uh, or watching us on YouTube, be aware that we, we do also put this out as a podcast as well, available on all major uh, podcast uh, vendors, iTunes and Podcast Addict for, uh, for anyone on Android. And if you do like uh, what you hear, please uh, feel free to give us some, uh, some reviews or some stars or whatever it is um, that the podcast app allows you to do to show your, your gratitude as it helps us uh, move our way up the rankings and, and obviously uh, get more viewers and, and, and drive uh, exposure for for the show and just finally as always uh, we do have a survey that you can fill out uh, it's at bit.ly forward slash nucleus survey uh, just gives you an opportunity to give us a bit of feedback on how we've gone today uh, but of course also you can post up any uh, potential future topics you might like to hear about so on that note thanks very much <laughs> excuse me thanks very much for attending and we look forward to catching you at the next one cheers They come through, all right?